I do love how the implication of every time we do a live show in some aspect is that one member of the Fight Boys doesn't make it back. Because last time after Vegas, it was you. This time, now we've lost Dylan. Well, see, now we get to do to Dylan what y'all probably did to me, because I still haven't listened to the episode. So get your roasting hands on. I'll just talk shit about how drunk you got, because fun fact, me and Dylan were there one night, <gasps> consistently tweeting and texting Megaran and Neo from Matt Mania about how much of a better time we were having than they were. <laughs> you just went from zero to those guys so bad. At one point, Dylan, we got moonshine from a homecoming at Disney Springs, God. and Dylan just looks at me and goes... Gotta take a picture of this and text it to Megaran. I'm like, I just got his phone number. I can't get texting privileges taken away this fast. Oh, uh, see, I'm glad that we had Megaran as a friend of the show for like the month and a half that we did because that's over now. <laughs> Fight Boys, ladies and gentlemen, the show about professional and not-so-professional wrestling. I am your host, the bad boy of podcasting, Scotty Moore. And I'm pregnant. What? You are? (laughs) No, I'm Blake. You're just Blake. You're not pregnant. Now, did you have... Because every April Fool's, I'm the guy who retweets the things that are like, hey, it's not funny to do a fake pregnancy thing. It's not funny to pull this prank. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Were all your censors like that <laughs> turning on insanely during that section of Raw this week? Well, the thing is, when, like, they did that whole segment where Maria Canellis said she was pregnant, I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, she kind of looked it, though. And then I found out, oh, yeah, she pregnant. Yeah, she apparently just pregnant. They were like, let's book a pregnant woman in a match. It was a very Paul Han- Here's the thing. So we're going to need to devote a lot more time to that, to just, just dissecting Paul Heyman. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I was going to say is Paul Heyman was very Attitude Era-esque. So, yes, there were very good Attitude Era moments, such as Braun spearing a motherfucker and then five billion fireworks going off and mm-hmm. then Corey Graves screaming out, holy shit. Holy shit. That was good. But then they forget, oh, wait, there were also really weird, bad, <laughs> bad moments, such as Maria Kanellis entering some weird cucking scenario with Mike Kanellis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, where... Out of all of these things, I want Becky to be the father. Oh my god, yes, right? Mm-hmm, Becky, mm-hmm. the only person in this storyline who I care about? Yeah. At some point, somebody tweeted out, like, you remember a few months ago when Becky was just, like, a legit badass and would beat you up for no apparent reason, and now she's just some weird lovelorn goof? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you know, Seth's girlfriend. Well- and how <laughs> Seth is just Becky's boyfriend. I want to go back to that feeling I had before I was married, because now, I mean, it's the John Mulaney bit. Being able to say, my wife has just some kick-ass to it. I don't uh, my like... wife? My... <laughs> my wife. You mean being able to say, my wife? My wife. I said, my wife. 
Whereas it feels so childlike every week when Michael Cole is like, Seth's girlfriend's coming to the ring with him. It's his girlfriend. Shut up, Michael. Speaking of, have you read how long they've been together? No. Apparently. So they had been friends for a while. Right. This is the beginning Fucking of the Fucking rom- for longer. This is the romantic comedy. They've been friends for years. But then one day, before WrestleMania, they finally decided to try a little something something. And then they wake up and the Beatles don't exist. <laughs> God damn it. Um, you know, the weird thing is you're closer than you think. Yeah. Well, no, no. It was February. They got together in February and now all of a sudden they are just flinging this storyline on air and i'm like i'm gonna need a little bit more not that i'm saying that they can't keep a sustained relationship but what i am saying is like give them a year before like you throw all of this on tv and then also have one of your most hall of fame level divas come out and say i want becky to fuck me and not you mike mike Mike! Mike the Cuck Canales? See... I mean, tell me, tell me though, that Paul Heyman didn't think, oh, people would want to watch that. I was really excited to see Mike and Maria. I was like, this is going to be a really good match. And then Maria said, I'm going to bring my bitch to the ring. And I went, oh, no, they are doing the cucking angle. And they just re-signed. Do you think? I mean, they re-signed because she got she was pregnant, right? Yeah, they re-signed because they were like, "Look, I'm gonna need to take some time off in the future, and it'd be real nice to have this WWE cash." While, which, by the way, apparently Mike Kanellis and them balls is just some heavy, hefty swimmers because they just had their other baby, didn't they? They did, um, like less than a year ago. That's like so that- he's a. It's like Matt Hardy. I I don't think Reby Hardy's ever not been pregnant. Man, ever since, ever since old Max popped out, yeah, clockwork. Max, old uh, King Maxwell got over and they were like, oh shit, we gotta add more to the stable. Let's keep bringing more of them in. But yeah, that was a really weird, Raw, Raw was actually good this week, which I'm happy about, but I'm also... I will say, like, Raw kept my attention. I keep it on in the background so much. Yeah. Now that it's like, when something's good, I'll notice it. hmm Yesterday, I was falling in it, or Monday, I was falling... Yesterday was Monday. Yep. Um, I was falling in and out of consciousness because I was... I had only been that hungover twice other, two other times in my life. You were very hungover. But that's a tale for a load of BS coming out this Thursday. Yeah, um, and I was falling in and out of consciousness, and the last thing I remember is wondering if I just heard Corey Graves actually say holy shit on, like, syndicated network television. Yeah, I was here having- And I did. Yeah, I was here having to work on some stuff, and then I looked down at Twitter, and they're like, Corey Graves said holy shit! I'm like, okay, I'm fine with that. Yep, I look up, and I didn't see the match before it. All I saw was like, yeah, Bobby Lashley up there. Oh, Braun's about to... Oh. <laughs> Crap. Oh. there, And then he just speared him through that big old LED screen, and it just exploded. I'm like, that's not how that works, but it's wrestling. <laughs> That's wrestling. It's fun. And then, of course, at the end of the show, we had the reunion of the club, which made me very, very happy because 
if AJ Styles does not have a World Heavyweight Championship, he's the most worthless babyface on the fucking planet. Yeah, no, he's been just such a worthless piece of shit. Yeah, and but when he's a heel, I'm really fine with it. It's okay. Oh, yeah, because now he can beat people up with his buddies, the club. It's like they they teased it for so so many times because it's like, yeah, we want all of these guys to be relevant, and all of those guys want to be relevant, and they're really relevant if they're part of the club. Yeah. I enjoy Ricochet's response to it, which was, and it's the exact same thing I was thinking, which was, didn't they do this exact same shit with John Cena like two, three years ago? And so Ricochet posted the screen caps, and they are almost identical. And he tweeted at Cena like, man, I guess I should have seen this coming, huh? So, yeah. Like, yes, you should have. Now it's time to beat up Ricochet. Beat up Ricochet. I just want more club. If this, I want AJ to get moved to the back, and then the club be the main point. Or Finn Balor comes out, beats up AJ Styles, and now he's the new leader of the club. That's all I really want. I um, would love if, like, leadership of the club, like, transferred to whoever beat the leader of the club, which is just basically gonna mean, like, Gallows and Anderson follow you around if you win. No, 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 It's like the Santa Claus. If AJ Styles come into your house and try and falls off your roof, superhuman style. <laughs> and if you put his pants on. You become AJ Styles. That's why, like, current-gen AJ, he's like the 32nd AJ Styles. Yeah, it's like Gold Dust and Ultimate Warrior, man. You just gotta put on the paint, and all of a sudden, you're them. Now, going back to yeah. the holy shit moment. Oh, thank was... you, Frank. Frank is in the chat. Oh, yeah, what's up? Uh, yeah, um, buddy... Sounds like a WWE Hallmark Studios crossover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but... he, he does pull up a point. Vince McMahon did say the N-word on TV once. Well, that was back when it was edgy, and I feel like that's what they're trying to get back to. The problem is, a lot of their characters that they're trying... Like, Corey Graves saying holy shit makes sense. However, tonight on SmackDown, Kofi Kingston, the good, good pancake boy who comes out with the unicorn horn, just... Flipping Samoa Joe the bird like Jimmy Havoc at fucking Fighter Fest. I don't know if that really makes as much sense to me. I I don't know. I'm confl- I haven't. I didn't see it. Yeah. But just hearing about it, I'm conflicted on if that's actually a bad thing. Because if I saw that, I'd be like, "Fuck yeah, Kofi! Give him the teeth. Yeah. You fought for this for years. Give him the teeth." <laughs> Kofi? You know what? That motherfucker choked you out the other night. Yes, you flip him off. Use those teeth, Kofi. You know what, Kofi? Give him a pancake kick to the dick. <laughs> it's fine. He choked you out. Do it, Kofi. I swear to God. Listen here, you piece of shit. Now, Kofi. I will say the greatest thing to come out of uh, the Heyman-Bischoff takeover of the show's is the fact that we're apparently getting Kevin Owens as a babyface again, and it makes me so happy. Oh, uh, I'm I'm very happy because it's something that I haven't seen much of, and when they did tease it for a while, I was like, I could get behind this. Yeah, did you sit, hear the cuts from the fucking promo he cut against Dolph Ziggler? I did not. I was actually oh. watching. I was watching the video of it. Yeah. 
a minute ago, and I just, I didn't have the sound on. Yeah, so Ziggy comes out, and he's doing his, like, normal shit, and KO cuts him off, and it's just like, no, look, yeah, it should have been you, should have been you eight years ago, it was you eventually, but it's not anymore, so just give it up! (laughs) And then Ziggler takes the low road, and is like, well, if you'll win anything, it would be a hot dog eating contest. (laughs) At which point, KO responds with, well, I could at least win a hot dog eating contest, which is more than I could say for any of your wrestling matches. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, it was so good. And then in the main event, apparently the uh, New Day uh, fucking versus Heroes of the Earth match is getting a third team, and it was going to be Heavy Machinery or Ziggler and KO, which I don't know why they booked that. And Heavy Machinery went over, and then Kevin proceeds to just beat the shit out of Dolph, and then Raw goes off the air with people asking him to give another stunner to Dolph Ziggler. Smackdown, right? Yeah, yeah, Smackdown. Okay. That's good, because I saw what happened when Raw went off the air, and that wasn't that, so I was real confused. (laughs) I've just watched a different show, I'm sorry. I must have been real fucked up. Also, the Beatles don't exist anymore. Oh, no. No, I do want to ask Wait, you- does that mean I can sing all of their songs and be a huge hit? Yeah, baby. And then I can have it. Kate McKinnon, like, be really, like, talk down to me and be really mean, but, like, you're kind of into it? Also, John Lennon's still alive. <laughs> also, John Lennon is still alive. The spoilers for... Oh, shit. Oh, it's fine. Now, I, w- I do want to ask you a question. Did you watch any of Fighter Fest at home? I watched most of Fighter. I watched uh, almost all of Fighter Fest. I want to know because me and Dylan on last week's episode we covered our entire how much we loved it, and I'm also very aware that there is a difference between watching in an arena a match versus watching at home. I want to know the at home review of Fighter Fest. Wait, did did I miss something? Did y'all already do a podcast about Fighter Fest and leave me out? Yeah, here's what it happened. We got. <laughs> We left Fighter Fest. I pulled out my Colt Cabana mic, and then we recorded it straight on the road. We wrestling road diaries last week's episode. Yo, piece of shit. All right, <laughs> motherfucker. I remember you saying that you were gonna do that. Now it was hella late. Yeah. Um. Honestly, overall, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good like. If you told me that was free, I'd be like. That was a good show for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some good shit in there. Questionable shit at times. Um, I do agree with most that the pre-show... I didn't hate the pre-show as much as what I see on the internet, but, like... I will I... say, and me and Dylan agreed on this, the weakest thing on the card was the librarian match. And, it was. and it, Well, it's because they painted themselves into a corner, because if you will remember, on Being the Elite, they were literally like, this is the worst fucking gimmick of all time. I don't know. No one will ever be able to get it over. But hey, let's just see. And then they brought in Leva and Peter Avalon to do it, and we found out, oh yeah, it is a gimmick that doesn't work. It is a gimmick that's kind of rough. Yeah, it's like, okay, so we can't do that anymore. And I'm glad that, like... I know all your bullshit that your Meltzers are saying and everyone is, you don't do that on the pre-show. Yeah. You, the pre-show's normally for people that, like, you want to get in free. And I'm like, dude, it's a free fucking show. The whole thing was free. Yeah. I do. If all- you're in the, like, if you're outside of the U.S., it was ten bucks. So, yeah, I understand that. But come on. Now, I do also would like to ask, I feel like since you are 
since you're a sick online gamer boy, you may have a different feeling about it. How did you feel about the Jabali Michael Nakazawa match? I had so much respect for Michael Nakazawa for trying. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, no, I feel same way with Jabali. Jabali, who last year put on what was frankly a stinker. He was a little a little stinker last week with that match. And then this year... I, I also did like some of the spots. Like, all the shit around the pool. Uh, Nakazawa's spear through the ropes onto the table was one of my, like, favorite spots of the night, actually. Well, because it was the ultimate... I saw the table get set up, and I saw him going for the spear, and I'm like, oh, Jabali's gonna move, then Michael will fly through them. Nope, Jabali took the fucking Edge McFoley WrestleMania 22 bump to the outside, and I was like... I, I stood up. I was like, fucking respect. And then pulling out, like, the D20s instead of thumbtacks to, like, suplex them onto. The oh, whole- it was a really fun, like, as... I understand that that match is just a lot of, like, pandering to gamers, and I was into it. I was in for it. Well, see, that's the thing that I don't think a lot of people realize, is everyone's like, AEW's apparently not that good. They didn't even sell at this arena. I'm like, you are aware this was part of a big gaming convention, right? This wasn't a pay-per-view. This wasn't Fight for the Fallen. This was just a fun thing Kenny wanted to do. I don't think that they were, because I, I even saw this exact discussion online. Somebody was saying, why would they have this guy who's not a wrestler come in and do, like, yeah, he's big in video games. So why don't they save that for when they cross-promote between someone something that does video games? That, dude, what the fuck, dude? That's what they were doing. That's what they were doing, literally. That's literally what they were doing. Just the fact that you were too stupid to know that, sh- like, sorry. Yeah. I know that you're going to be that one guy that's going to be meme to hell and back in that MJF promo. Uh, yeah. Because your face should look like... I didn't. I don't mean to say he has a bad face. I just mean to say that look of disappointment on the face. Yeah, because um, like I've never seen like a face that I, I felt personally attacked when I saw his face and realized I was making the same face. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck. I'm sorry, MJF. I'm I'm hating that MJF's at a point now where people are cheering him because he's so good. Yeah, and I'm I know. just like, no, you can't. That's not what he wants. He wants you to boo. You boo him in public. Then when you go home, you quietly whisper like, "Fuck, I love him so much." That absolute asshole. Fuck yeah, dude. I got you. I also, w- uh, there was, and we didn't bring this up on the uh, podcast last week. There was an MJF interaction between the Fight Boys last weekend. Because uh, there were, like, Matt Jackson was walking around. At one point, Dylan was walking out, and uh, Brandon Cutler and Nick were just walking around the venue. And we were walking, and then we just see MJF (laughs) with a fucking loaded pile of french fries on a plate. And I said, oh, eating to get that body upright. And he just yells, you're welcome! (laughs) That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. (laughs) Oh. oh man, that's a good. That's, he, that man is always on, and I appreciate. Oh, that. Oh yeah, apparently someone else was up to up talking to him before us, and Dylan overheard him saying, "I don't need to worry. I'm on the juice." <laughs> talking about the fries, and I was like, "God bless you, MJF." He's getting it, man. He he knows exactly what he needs to be, and I'm glad. Once again, I'm sad that he's getting cheered for being a heel because I want to boo him so bad and i want everyone to boo him because it's not a bad thing to boo people yeah um 
It's, it's wrestling. Sometimes you need that. Especially but, if they're good at making you boo. That just means you need to boo. Exactly. Uh, going back to Kevin Owens, though, back to WWE and KO becoming the next hot babyface, he did pull a sick-ass babyface move recently because we discussed on the show how a certain large gentleman, a man who has disrespected our brother-in-arms Mega and Bully Ray, Fucked mm-hmm. up a dude's whole night at a Ring of Honor show. Fun fact, Kevin Owens went to his Twitter account, basically apologized for all of wrestling for what Bully Ray did, and then gave him four front row seats to SmackDown last week. See, that is how you market. Yeah. That is how you show a fan a good time and you build friendships. You build- <laughs> It was the one, because I don't know, you're not as active on Twitter as I am, but last week, I don't know what happened, but wrestling Twitter was bad. It was just bad. Someone at one point tweeted out, hey, we need to turn wrestling Twitter off and turn it back on again, because something's wrong with it. I appreciate that. Um, I've I've seen, I, I don't see the whole drama, but everything... Every big bit gets posted to Squared Circle on Reddit, and I'm there just about every day. So, yeah, I've been seeing some of the rough stuff. Yeah. Uh, Well, speaking of the rough stuff, apparently someone, a a little boy, has apologized for what he did. (laughs) Yep, and um, the person he apologized to responded. I I really, because, like, his reply does seem a little half-assed, but Osprey's response was beautiful. Uh... After a few days to sit on it, I'd like to apologize to Will Ospreay for the tweet I sent his way about comparing bank accounts. It was dumb of me and not in line with my values. The moment I pressed the send button, I knew it was trash, but I'm too stubborn for my own good. I stand firm in my sentiments that we are the best pro wrestling on the planet and that I'm the best of the best doing it. After a hell of a week of travel, our crew didn't waver for a second. Top-level humans busting their asses for the love of the game, which is what made me think, Seth Rollins an alien? Top-level human. That sounds like something I'd see on a Donald Trump tweet, Seth. These top-level humans, they bust their ass for the love of the game. I couldn't be more proud to be a champion with this company and represent WWE and the entire industry in the way it deserves. No more garbage tweets. I can and will be better. Oh, That's God. fine. I'm good with that. Um, I don't hate that. Uh, to which R- Will Ospreay responded, Apology accepted. Just buy me a Nando's. <laughs> Honestly, nothing but respect for you, sir. Just a bit of banter in my mind. Followed your career since you were Tyler Black. I, I know it's not all the, all the money. It's about the love. Yeah. Keep flying your flag and having fun, which is probably the best actual thing that Will Ospreay's ever posted on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Frank in the chat, he goes, I really thought the next tweet was going to say, I stand firm in my sentiment that I have a larger bank account than you. I mean, yes. And then, finally, in the greatest, Blake, I'm sorry, but the man is now my my favorite member of the S.H.I.E.L.D. It is Roman Reigns talking about Moxley leaving oh. WWE for... Yeah, I ain't mad at all about that. I mean, Twitter Roman is the best Roman. Oh, yeah, because, like, let's not forget, Seth went a little ham about Moxley leaving. He did. That was one of our peel problems. I think that was mine. Yeah, from the abandoned, from the abandoned episode. 
Oh, yeah. Um, but he goes, I don't think our working relationship is going to be what it used to be, but I'll always love that guy. He'll always be my close friend, and I wish the best. We have a brotherhood, so I'm always cheering for him. I've shared so many great moments with Ambrose or Mox. We have love for each other well beyond the wrestling, and it will always be that way. That's how you do it, Seth! Seth! Uh, Roman what? Reigns, he he immediately proceeded to do um, a suicide dive to where he did clear all three ropes and looked like a breaching dolphin. <laughs> yes. I don't know what it. Somebody just recently like posted a compilation of Roman Reigns suicide dives, and they are the most perfect thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Like uh, Dolph Ziggler's drop kicks in 2015 couldn't hold a candle to Roman Reigns' suicide dives. The dude can nail it. And you know what else I could nail, Blake? That's not a good lead-in. No. Oh, all of our patrons at patreon.com slash a load of BS, the website where you can support the Fight Boys. You get access to exclusive stuff like our show You Paid for This, where we watch terrible movies and commentate over them. We did uh, Ready to Rumble with Dylan recently, and me and Blake are hopefully going to be doing the great, great Nicolas Cage film Ghost Rider soon. So make sure to... By recently, it was like two months ago. Yeah. Look, we had to go to Vegas and Daytona, and also I might have had a baby... But yeah, also, in addition to that, you get access to our Discord, you get shouted out on the show of your choice every single week, like that motherfucker Gazi, and hey, since he's in the chat, we might as well call out Salty Frank, the first mate of the BS, who's here as well, ladies and gentlemen, and if you want to join them, you can at patreon.com slash a load of BS. Now, Blake, I do, before we get into our, uh, we need a new name for it, because it can't be Dustwatch anymore. Just our Twitter annoyance segment. I I do want to say I met someone this weekend. And I didn't realize who they were until a certain point. Because oh boy, it was one of the guys who work. He's the American representative for Wrestle Travel, the company who puts together like getting people to, uh, to Japan for uh, different uh, New Japan matches or takes people to AEW shows. So me and him are talking for a while. And then I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, we did this stuff for our show Fight Boys. He goes, oh, no, no, I know you guys all, all too well. We've had a lot of fun in the past. And I went, wait, who are you? He goes, Oh, I run the Twitter account for StarCast. And I went, oh, no, I'm so sorry. And he's like, no, dude, that's why I fucked with you. I wanted more more shit. And I'm like, yes. That's good. I was doing that's the right fucking thing, good. baby. Oh, I love that. That's good shit. That's, that's good shit. So uh, That's great shit you're doing. That's what I want. Pooper scooper. Pooper scooper. Who should we annoy today, buddy? Um, yo, at, <laughs> at, at John Moxley, yeah, I scraped up my shoulder too last weekend, kinda hurts. Yo, at, I think we've tweeted Mox before, we've tweeted Joey Janela before, um, at Darby All Allen. You okay, bud? <laughs> you okay, bud? You fell into our hearts last weekend. You coffin dropped your back off, and then you're just like, all right. Yo, no, you coffin dropped your way into our hearts this weekend. Don't ever do it again. Please don't kill yourself. 
it lo- it scared me. Please, don't I like ki- you. I don't like that coffin drop. Please don't kill yourself. We love you. Hashtag Darby Watch. Hashtag please follow us. Hashtag Darb Watch. Hashtag Darb Watch. Oh my god. Yeah, I uh, I think I said it on last week's episode though, but if there was an MVP of uh of Fighter Fest, it was definitely Darby Allen. The man who basically got abused for an entire match, and we were like, Yeah, this is fine. This is perfectly okay. But uh, yep. now, Blake, it's time to get into heels and faces of the week. So, do, who do, did you hate or did you love more this week? That's what I want to know. Do you want my heel or my face first? Because I can go on a tirade about either one of those and it's going to lead into discussion. Let's go with face first because I need to find the Twitter thread that makes my heel a heel. Okay. Oh, boy. I hope it's not the same, like... No, mine is just a tweet, it looks like. Okay. From a man we know all too well. And, uh, Tibbs, could you paste this tweet into the chat so Scotty could read it in the voice that he knows too oh, well? Oh, yes! Also, fun fact, I don't know if by the time this episode comes out that our, um, that our episode of Matt Mania we are on comes out, but I did get to bust out the cornet impression for it, and I was so proud. I was so- now- before I before we get any further, Cornette is not my baby face. It is the people that blocked him. Oh, okay. So, fuck, this is good. Okay, let me go to the original tweet. It okay. is... What the fuck? Oh, this is good. <laughs> so, Nick Jackson tweeted, Jim Cornette won't stop calling me. And <laughs> the number is just 666 repeating. Mm-hmm. At which point someone says, hey, Jim Cornette, have you... Also, can we quickly say a secondary heel of the week to any asshole who fucking will tag the person they're talking about if the original person hasn't? Yeah. That's the... I hate that shit so much. Like, I think Ron Funch is... Like, someone did that to him recently, and he was just like, well, I didn't want him to hear about this, but if you won't be a little bitch about it, that's fine. Yeah, there's something, there is something to be said about subtweeting, but, like, you being a middleman and calling someone out for subtweeting to the other person, it's kind of a dick move, yeah, but yeah. it's fine. Um, so Jim Cornette tweeted, I can't see any of the fucking Young Bucks tweets. The kids blocked me because they can't handle hearing the truth like any other sixth graders. Now, I like what the Young Bucks did here because it is the face move to not ever confront Jim Cornette on anything. Yeah. Because he'll never let it go, and he'll always be an annoying little, like, asshole about things he doesn't like. Yeah. And like I said, this is one of the places where it's like, I like Cornette sometimes. I like the Bucks and what they do. And someone posted this on Reddit, but if somebody, anybody relentlessly shit on me for how I do my job all the time and called me out by name... I would block them on Twitter. Yeah, that sounds about because, right. Because, yeah. Um, also, another one, I also... <laughs> Salty Frank! Salty Frank, in response to the Jim Cornette impression, goes, that was the voice of a rational, level-headed person if I've ever heard one. <laughs> uh, um, also, like, did, Jim, have you never blocked anyone on Twitter? 
Because Vince Russo is calling. I think we should pro I think we could probably easily get blocked by Jim Cornette. All we have to do is send him an episode of JXT. And he's yep. immediately gonna take us down. Look, I got blocked by JBL for some reason that I still don't know, and like I feel like Cornette's got an easier trigger than that. Yeah. Um, well, my baby face of the week goes to uh, a man... My baby face, by the way, it's the Young Bucks because they did a great show. Oh, yeah. And also, they're, um, co- they're like, gear for Fighter Fest, top fucking notch. Oh, yeah, coming out like, uh... Also, apparently, Kenny's outfit was not all the way. And some people are making fun of him, like, how dare you? You're supposed to... How is Kenny the one with the worst video game cosplay? I'm like, he lost his gear! Akuma's not exactly an easily thrown-together thing. Mm-hmm. I thought it was funny, but yep, yeah, so the Young Bucks came out as Ken and Ryu from the Street Fighter series. is great. Yeah, and then a guy comes out, tries to do Batista shit, and then Kenny just hits Akuma's finisher on him, and then that's it. Um, but my baby face of the week goes to um, the official captain of the Pride movement, a man we're gonna see in a few weeks, fucking Effie, who cut the LGBT pipe bomb at a recent indie show. Where apparently, I, I, I guess he wasn't booked for anything, but he shows up, beats the fuck out of a guy, grabs the mic, and then goes on a long tirade basically saying like, look, I can do whatever the fuck I want to do out here. I beat up a child and I got more bookings. I can do whatever I want out here. But, <laughs> but here's the problem, and this is what he goes into, and it's very, very true. He goes... A, a vast majority of our card in the back right now is of LGBTQ people, and I couldn't be prouder of that. Because this is an LGBTQ event. But let me ask you this. When Pride Month is over, when July starts, when it's all over, how many more of these people do you think you're going to see getting booked again? And it's just him running down the independent wrestling scene for not booking enough LGBTQ wrestlers. And I fucking fell in love with it. I was like... God bless you, Effie. You are my God now. I love you. That's, I, I, I really like that because as kind of um, June came to a close, like everyone was pointing out the hypocrisy of corporate America because it's just like you slap a, a rainbow on everything for a month and you call it done. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's a lot like how I feel about Cancer Awareness Month um, in October, is it? Because it's all run by Susan G. Komen, which takes almost all the money that's donated for it for personal like use yeah. and not donating it to cancer. So, you know. Oh, damn it. Okay. Well, uh, sorry. Um, I'm going to have to remember what my heel of the week stuff was by memory. But yeah, someone did point out on Twitter, they posted a video of like all of the different companies' Instagrams having LGBTQ rainbows in the back of their logos. And then the minute July hit, every single one of them reverted back. But yep. before I get into my heel of the week, Blake, I'd like to ask you what your heel of the week is. Um. Oh, hold on. I just I'm just getting this news in from seven hours ago. Um, Raw's ratings were hella up this week. Oh, yeah. Like, by hundreds of thousands. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Well, I mean, they announced, like, a big changing of the guard, which does... I do want to ask you this, because I didn't watch Raw. You watched more than I did, I'm assuming. Was it a better product than usual, or do you think it was almost like a placebo effect of saying, we have Paul Heyman running it, now it's automatically better? Uh, it was hard to tell because there were moments, there was still in Raw, like, there were moments I liked, there were moments I didn't like, 
but I also felt like there were actual stories going into next week. Yeah. And we weren't, like, fighting week to week on random bullshit. And the stories that were going on, they weren't the same exact thing that we were dealing with for, like, the past two months. Yeah, I can see that. Because the last, like, pay-per-view is just rematches. Oh, yeah. And now it's like, okay, it feels like they're doing something fresh. If they can keep it up, then they will be a lot more successful. If they don't, if they fall back and try to just do more new bullshit instead of trying to build the story, then they'll fall back into the same problems. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, but... <laughs> but my fuck these guys. Yeah, fuck that. Now, I haven't heard you and Dylan talk about this, so um, I may be rehashing something. But my heel of the week are chair shots to the head. Okay. Now, we we didn't talk about it much, and I feel like I'm the outlier of the one person being like, I didn't want, I mean, I didn't see that much of a problem. It was one shot. It was apparently an accident because it was supposed to be a gimmicked chair and just something went wrong. So. It was, but there's something that I don't think that I like seeing in the optics of, like, do it going back to something like that. Even if it's like, ah, it's gonna be a one-off, or, oh, it can show anything can happen. There's a point where anything can happen can be like, but now I'm kind of scared. I don't feel of it as an anything can happen mo I feel like in storyline, an unprotected chair shot to the head, and they were even putting it over on commentary... Is the most, da it's worse than a fucking pile driver. It's the most dangerous thing you could do to someone. And it's showing how. It's the most dangerous thing you could do because it's actually fucking dangerous, though. Like, that's the thing. It may have been the fact that the chair was supposed to be gimmicked, but it wasn't. Yeah. When shit like that happens, when problems in production come out, people get hurt. People get fucking hurt. Yeah. And that's a big thing. Wrestling is dangerous. It's super dangerous. They put their bodies on the line. And, like, when you bring something that could so easily fuck up, it really gets me because I, I don't want to see it. Yeah. Like, it's kind of scary. It's like in The Crow when... um Homeboy gets shot and uh, dies. Homeboy gets shot and died because it's a gun that's supposed to have blanks in it. And it had blanks in it, but even blanks can seriously hurt or injure someone or kill them. And it's like, shit like that can happen. Yeah. And that's kind of how I was when I saw, um, like, the chair and heard the story about it. And I was like, yeah, but oof. It didn't, though. It, I hate it and I like it. I hate it because it almost took out the guy who's one of my favorite wrestling characters there is right now, who is Cody Rhodes. But also it created such a beautiful imagery that it makes me sad how much I hate it. Because, like, his blonde hair being, like, fucking death red at the end of it, I was like, that's beautiful, it's showing what they want, but also, you shouldn't have done it this way. But I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes from here, because I love this concept, because you saw the, the kayfabe explanation for why Sean did it, right? I didn't, although I do want to go back a little bit because it reminded me of seeing the Cody-Dustin match, and I'm like, I didn't like how Dustin basically hardwayed himself into being covered in blood the whole match, but like I said, that was an accident. It wasn't supposed to be that bad, but it was. 
and that's the scary thing about wrestling is like things that you try to do to make them just as safe as possible could end up not being safe. See, I like a little bit of blood. I loved it in the Dustin match. I thought it told a lot. I think blood is great. I mean, I don't think people should shy away from blood as much as like WWE did or like vilify it as much as they have. Yeah. But like when somebody gets busted like Dustin, I was I love the match, but I was so like Oh my god, he's just covered. See, with me, that's I, that's what I liked about it. It added to the story. It added to the concept of he's an old dog and his brother wants to put him down. And it's just making him, it made him look even more sympathetic as it went on of like, please, it, it they got the response they wanted from you, which is the, I'm uncomfortable, I don't want this to continue, end the damn match. Um, but now going back to the chair shot thing, there's a there's a fine line with that though. Yeah. Like there's a line that where like if you cross, then people can't suspend their disbelief, and that's what you got to be careful. Would okay. If people can't suspend their disbelief in wrestling, then you got a problem. I'll have one last question, then we're gonna fucking talk about Sean Spears. Do you think that match would have been as iconic as it currently is without that blood? Do you think the I I think my... it would have been just I think it would have been just as iconic with less blood. Okay, I think we... But with blood. I'm going to agree to disagree with you on that as we go back to talk about Sean Spears, the psychopath. Uh, which I do love that two nights in a row, a beloved babyface character turned heel. Because we had, uh, at ROH, we had Flip Gordon turning heel and joining Villain Enterprises and becoming the psycho mercenary. And then the next night we have Sean Spears turn heel and basically become like this psycho mercenary character. And the reason why is a couple of weeks ago on Road to Fighter Fest, after that shitty Sean Spears promo they played, Cody backs up and he goes, well, I mean, I'm happy we I'm happy we signed him. I think he's a really good hand and I think he's going to do really good in matches and put some of the bigger guys over. And... All Sean did was post that small snippet of saying he's a really good hand, and then it would repeat over and over again, and that's all he posted after. And I'm like, oh shit, that's what this is, and I love it. I think it was a it was a very good build to that moment, though. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, because at that point when he did, and I think this is a good thing that shows you what AEW is prepared to do is they know if something's not gonna go over. Like, they, they were able to pull a very good, like, 180 on the Sean Spears stuff really quickly. Yeah. Um, and, like, I, I like that kind of actual flexibility. You, you don't have that a lot in the very polished WWE product. Yeah. Well, let's quickly go on to my heel of the week, who is a man who I didn't think would be a heel of the week. Although, to be fair, last week, none of us thought, the, uh, thought Seth Rollins would be a heel of the week. But it's the mm -hmm. fucking hurricane. Because... Oh, oh no, did it come in Terra, Florida again? No, <laughs> not that one. Because... Did it come in Hurricane Terra, Florida? So, okay, here's what it happened. Apparently, there were rumors that AEW and WWE were both interested in signing LAX. And Shane Helms retweeted it saying, Oh, I love LAX. And Ron Funches jokingly responded saying like, Oh, I lo look, I love them as much as you do, and I love you, but no disrespect. Please don't sign them. I don't want to see them on my TV every week coming out on, like, big bicycles and having, like, a shitty gimmick. And um, Hurricane responded saying, Oh, yeah, well, I guess Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio never had good ma like never had great careers here. 
And then Ron said, hey, could you point me to a black wrestler you've signed who doesn't have a weird, almost criminal or dance gimmick? And that's where it popped off. <laughs> because. Oh, man, that's the can of worms. Because... That's the moment. That that tweet, that's where you could pull the ripcord. Yeah. Anything after that, you've either pulled the ripcord or you're plumbing in towards the ground. And for the next, I, unfortunately, I think Ron deleted the tweets, which good on him because hey, you don't want that shit on your Twitter feed. But apparently, from there on, he went on to... Hurricane was basically towing the company line as much as he could to be like, well, guess what? Like, at one point, he tried to divert and be like, well, guess what? We had white guys with dancing gimmicks. Three Count did it. And Ron was like, no, that's not what I asked you. I asked you for an African-American who doesn't have a weird dancing gimmick. And then they went on. Like, there were a few listed that were, like, maybe does The Rock count and stuff like that. But, like, it was the way Hurricane approached it that was bad to me where he was just like i don't think it's a problem i don't think it's an issue and ron was essentially coming from the place of like i love pro wrestling but if you don't see there's still some racial problems and some racial issues we're on two completely different wavelengths and so i and that's the thing about hurricane is he doesn't he's this is something that you see a lot he doesn't see a problem with it because he doesn't like he 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 wouldn't know about it yeah. Because he wouldn't know what that experience is like. Oh, yeah. Ron even brings up that exact point later. And he's like, yeah, but uh, I've been around for so long. I know. I know, man. And uh, uh, like, it made me, it was, it was the first time because Ron will get on people on Twitter and it always makes me happy because despite being a soft, cuddly little teddy bear, he is also a vicious motherfucker. And it just made me sad because I'm like, I like both of these guys. And it pisses me off to see that one of them kind of has some problematic views at the time. Like... And I'm not saying that I won't love Hurricane in the future or anything else like that. It's just a matter of, like, kind of wish you'd handled that differently, but uh, it's... Yeah. And then, you know, like, it, I have to come to terms with this. Like, Seth, he's not always been the best person, especially, like, in personal life or Twitter. But overall, it's up and down. Everybody's kind of got their own up and downs, and this is something that you kind of have to deal with. It all just depends on how they kind of deal with being called out and it that's all on that's that ball's in the hurricane's court can i just say i don't know if dylan listens to the show when he's not on it but i can't wait for him to be like oh no it's a blake and scotty episode this is gonna get real weird real quick and then all of a sudden he fast forwards and we're like having emotional charged discussions <laughs> about chair shots to the head and racism and pro wrestling and he's like what the fuck happened <laughs> And I wasn't here for that? Damn it! I didn't get to talk about New Japan! <laughs> what about Gato and his booking? This summer, two men save the world. From who you ask? Everything invading robo-penises. This show is not about those two men. <laughs> this show's just a load of BS. The show where Blake Tanner and Scotty Moore make up dumbass movies like that. We're your personal think tank. We're your two white guys, which fills the quota for mm -hmm. a podcast, I think. And we're just gonna be here to have a good time. 
and talk about sauerkraut. That's right, except no substitutes, ladies and gentlemen, because this is that pure, uncut P.S. <laughs> good, good, uncut. All right, Blakey T, we've talked about wrestling. We've talked about WWE. We've talked about everything except New Japan. <laughs> but I think it's time we talk about our favorite boys, who are, of course, housed in Birmingham, Alabama, and that's Captain Tibbs and Silver Spoon, which means it must be time for another episode of JWF Monday Night Walk. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to JWF Monday Night War. I'm your host, Silver Spoon, joined as always by the man who's known to use some excessive force. It's Captain Tibbs. I'm ready to break a neck. That's right, Tibbs. Mine. Oh, God. All right, Here we, we go. Off. Jesus Christ, get off the apron. That's the hardest part of the ring, Tibbs. All right. Oh. All right, Tibbs, get back over here, because we are getting ready to be on the way to one of the most hardcore pay-per-views of the year. Excessive force full of hardcore matches, nautical rules matches. Tibbs, it's horrifying to watch, I'll be honest. It's always a beautiful spectacle. Blood, guts, and glory. That's right, Tibbs, and of course, one of those matches was announced last week as we found out that the recently crowned JWF Captain's Champion, the Hammer Man, is going to be taking on the Demon, the man known as Honeypot and Tibbs. I know you gotta be afraid for the Hammer Man. Sills, I am... I fear for anyone who goes up against that monstrosity from another realm. Honeypot, that, that being that should not be infesting our world... Something from the outside in. And that's that, a... that is why, Sills, only the best of the best, only a true fighter, somebody who knows what it's like to face adversities unknown to humankind or otherwise, like the Hammer Man, because he's got big hammers. <laughs> that's right, Tibbs. And this, I mean, this war, it's about to, it's about to be historic. Because tonight, for the first time, the Hammerman is going to speak. He's coming out to our ring right now. He's got the microphone in his hand. Tibbs, what do you think's going through his mind right now? I don't know, Sills. I, I don't think I've ever heard him speak before. This is this is new territory. That's right. Oh, wait a minute. Tibbs, that's, that's the music of Mojo Gruff, the man the Hammerman defeated. The man the Hammerman defeated for that captain's title. He's coming out. He's got a microphone. He's interrupting this historic moment. What in the world's going on with Mojo Gruff? How could he? Oh, Hammerman, Hammerman, Hammerman. Do you really think what you're doing right now is wise? Coming out in front of all of these people to gloat about your 56-second victory. Coming out to brag about winning that JWF Captain's Championship when all of us know that it's truly a shallow victory you had against me. A hollow victory that did nothing but set up your eventual demise. You see, if you ask me, I'd say that you should be getting prepared for your match against my beast. Against my demon, the eldritch abomination known as Honeypot. 
Because as a man who has faced you in this ring, as a man who sees you now as you are, I have to say, you are not ready for Honeypot. You are not ready for the decimation and destruction that awaits you. So please, Hammerman, I beg you to leave this ring right now and take a good long look in that mirror as you truly ask yourself, are you ready? Oh my God, Tibbs, the lights! The lights are out! What in the world? No, get them back on. You never know what's going to happen. Here he comes. Oh, God, it's Honeypot. The beast standing behind the hammer man, grabbing him by the neck. Tim's he's trying to destroy him before we even get to the pay-per-view. No, not like this. Not that's, like this. That's right, picking him up for that choke breaker. But wait, the hammer man slips out, slips out from behind, and a massive drop kick to Honeypot. Sending him landed on that middle rope. Hammerman yes. rushing against the ropes back and delivers a beautiful tiger faint kick to the demon who falls in a heap in the center of the ring. He's climbing up the rope steps. Is he about to take out the demon right now? That's right. Cut yourself. Drench him with your blood and you'll send him away. That's right. Honeypot and prime real estate. Hammerman prepping for the hammer leg drop. But wait. Before he can land it, Mojo Gruff actually pulling Honeypot out of the ring. The crowd chanting the name of the JWF Captain's Champion. And Tim's, let me tell you something. I got a feeling that the Hammer Man is ready for Honeypot. What do you think? Sorry, Sills, my mic was turned off. I, I was too busy chanting for the Hammer Man. All right, but wait a minute. Tim's, he's got the mic. He's got the mic, the hammer man, getting ready to speak as Mojo Gruff looks on, shocked out of all of mine. Am I ready? Am I ready? Look, I waited two long years to be on my own in this company. Two long years to finally have this title around my waist. Two long years to prove that I'm exactly who the hell I say I am. And that's the hammer man. So as far as I'm concerned, Mojo, when excessive force rolls around, you can be damn sure that the Hammer Man is ready to beat the hell out of that little demon of yours. So the question that you need to ask yourself right now is, is Honeypot ready? Ten strong words from the Hammerman speaking for the first time. And let me tell you something, he sounds fired up. What do you think? You know what? I didn't think I could love him any more than I could. I think he should start a band. <laughs> That's right, Tim. But of course, I mean, when we go back to that last pay-per-view, the Toe Jam pay-per-view, we did see amazing moments. Like the Hammerman's 56-second defeat of Mojo Gruff, but of course we also saw some dark moments, such as when Scott Moore turned on his tag team partner Guy Fieri, joining his son Scotty Moore and Blake Tanner in the BS to form what they've called a dynasty. Tibbs, what do you think's going on with it? You know, Sills, I, I would originally think that a tag team partner turning on his own, it, it's a horrible thing to watch. But really, really, I, as a family man myself, I understand why Scott Moore would do everything to be with his son, to help see his son victorious, to be a great father, to be a family man, although it's so unfortunate for Guy Fieri that he got caught up in all of it. 
but there shouldn't be any hard feelings. That's right, Tips, and we sent one of our top interviewers backstage today to talk to Guy Fieri about how he felt after that be shocking betrayal by Scott Moore. Let's have a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, Todd the Todd McDonald's here with the king of Flavortown himself, Guy Fieri. Now, Mr. Fieri, at the Toe Jam pay-per-view, your tag team partner, Scott Moore, turned on you. Shocking the JWF universe as he aligned himself with the BS to form the dynasty. He, he accused you of showboating during your match, being too aggressive with his son, Scotty Moore. I, I gotta ask, how do you respond to these accusations? You know something, McDonald? There's a little saying I've always had since getting into this business, and it's the fact that no matter what happens when I enter this arena, what happens when I enter that ring, it's not personal. It's just pro wrestling. Two years ago, when my entire division was wiped out of this company, I thought, it's not personal, it's pro wrestling. When Baron Corbin tossed me off the top of a ladder at Wrestlepalooza, I thought, it's not personal, it's pro wrestling. And over the past few months when the BS would come out and mock me, Scott Moore, I thought, it's not personal. It's pro wrestling. But you see, apparently Scott, he didn't understand that. Scott didn't understand that when I step into this ring, it's with one goal and one goal only to win. And I knew that it would take everything I had to best the BS in that ring. And so I gave up everything I got. I suplexed them through tables, dropped them on their skulls. And if it wasn't for Scott Moore, I'd be standing here as the JWF Tag Team Champion. But you see, Scott, Scott didn't see what happened that night as pro wrestling. He took it personally. And look, if Scott Moore wants to get offended by my actions, and if he wants to retaliate, then I'm going to give him that opportunity to add excessive force when I face him one-on-one -on -one in that ring. And I show him exactly what happens when Guy Fieri steps into the ring. And Scott... Before you want to whine and cry about how badly I beat you to a pulp? Just remember, it's not personal. It's pro wrestling. Well, Tibbs, looks like, looks like we've got another match announced for excessive force. Scott Moore is going to be taking on Guy Fieri. But, I mean, let's think about the words Scotty Moore had last week. If you fight one of the dynasty, you fight all of them. Do you think it was a wise move for Fieri to challenge Scott? You know, Silva, I, I don't know. I, I find it hard to agree with Mr. Fieri on this whole personal business thing. I, running a business, of course you got Diversify yourself like myself, of course. I keep personal and business very, very separate from each other. I'm lying, of course, but I like to tell myself I don't. That's right, Tibbs, but I mean, who knows? Although he's going to get his ass kicked by a bunch of people if he challenges Scott Moore. I mean, that's just how it's going to go. He, I think he knows that. It's going to be a rough night for Guy Fieri, I'll tell you that right now. But speaking of men who ha are going to have rough nights in the future, let's talk about your son, the man known as Chuck Tibbs, who last week came out and challenged Momoa Curry for the JWF Championship, and you gave him an ultimatum. If he was able to defeat the Dylan tonight in one-on-one -on -one competition, he'd have that match. But, I mean, Tibbs, let's be honest with this. 
he's your son. Do you think it's a wise move putting him in the ring with the Dylan, let alone Momoa Curry? Listen, Silva, it's what Chuck wanted. He has not been on the show much at all since Wrestlepalooza, and it was my failing. I wanted to keep him safe. I wanted to find the right time. There just wasn't any time in setting up matches for the show, and that is my fault. He was right there, Sills. And I know, I know there are tons of worthy competitors in the back, but only one of them, Sills, only one of them had the gall, had the courage to come out and stand up for the fact that they had not done anything in these recent weeks, and that is my son, that is Chuck Tibbs. That's and I knew I that I couldn't give him a title shot for the first thing. Of course not. That's crazy talk. So I decided I'll give him a chance. He's going to go up against the guy that did just admittedly lose against the champion. And if he can beat him, he can beat the Dylan like Momoa Curry beat the Dylan. Then, then he has a shot because he is a worthy competitor. That's so right. So you got to come out and ask for these things. That's right, Tibbs. I mean, let's not forget, also, you said that Momoa Curry bested the Dillon, but that was a two out of three falls match, and the Dillon won the first fall. The Dillon has had a long history with Momoa Curry. They've almost had intertwined destinies, and let me tell you something. If Charlie's able to beat the Dillon, there's a good chance he may be able to beat Momoa Curry. So let's see. As the match starts off, both men locking up in the center of the ring, jockeying for position. Charlie quickly backing up into the turnbuckle. Shibata calling for the separation. One, two, ooh, and Dylan letting go at three, respecting the count of the referee, something we haven't really seen from the Dylan in recent weeks. All right, but woo, Chuck taking advantage with a huge shot to the jaw, rocking the Dylan. The Lord of the Smart Side returning with a shot of his own. Now both of these men just relentlessly assaulting one another, Tibbs. And this is what I was afraid it was going to break down into, just an all-out brawl. What do you think? This is what's going to be. This is how you either prove yourself, or this is how you get knocked the hell back down. This is also something that you don't see the Dylan do a lot of. That's right, and now Dylan backing him up into a turnbuckle, launching him across the ring, and ooh, a massive big boot to the skull. Looks like he almost broke the neck of old Chuck Tibbs. Dylan rolling him up into the center of the ring, going for the pinfall. One, two, ooh, and Chucky Tibbs barely kicking out at two Tibbs. As Dylan now wailing on the former candidate, Charlie picking him up to his feet, trying to pick him up on his shoulders, maybe going for total destruction, but Charlie fighting back, bouncing off the ropes, and a huge clothesline to the outside. Chucky Tibbs looking excited now as he bounces off the ropes, and a beautiful tope suicida to the outside, and Tibbs, your boy, looks fired up. That's what you need to be. He's been sitting in the back that's been pent up for weeks. We just needed to let it out. That's right. Now rolling him back into the ring, picking him up and nailing it. The Chucky DDT going for that pinfall. One, two. Ooh, and Dylan barely raising up that shoulder at two and three-fourths. Tibbs, Chuck's got to be disappointed. That's his finishing move. Mm-hmm. Dylan doesn't look all too that happy either. That's right. As he makes his way slowly back to his feet, Charlie bouncing off the ropes, maybe going for a clothesline. But wait. Dylan's caught him. He's got him up for total destruction. But Charlie flipping off, landing on his feet. Some beautiful athleticism from your boy, Tibbs. And now, wait a minute. He's got him. He's got him locked up in the captain's hook. The Dylan. The Dylan locked up in the captain's hook. Your famous move, Tibbs. And he's nowhere near the ropes. This could be it. Your boy can be winning that title anytime now, Tibbs. 
You gotta have a perfect 265 degree tilt on that ankle. Get those degrees, boy! That's right, just wrench it on that ankle. The boy about to become the number one contender. But wait a minute! What the hell, Tibbs? That's that's Felix Ball! Felix Ball in the Lumberjack! Charlie's former stable mates in the Canadian crew just assaulting, beating the living hell out of Dylan and Shrug. This is preposterous, Tibbs! Oh my god, no! Get the hell down from there! I'm gonna go! I know you don't! That's Give right, both of the members of the Canadian crew staring down at Captain Tibbs, continuing this onslaught on Chuck, who's just caught up in the ropes. And oh my god, looks like the Lumberjacks brought some kendo sticks in a ring, some violent weaponry, and oh my god, just wailing on the ribs with those kendo sticks is Felix the Wrecking Bolt. Tibbs, you gotta do something. Oh, get, your hey, give, give me that chair. I'm gonna go Tibbs. down there. Give me a mic. All right, all right. Ball! Damn it, Ball! You son of a bitch, you put that damn kendo stick right down right now. Put it down. Or I swear to God, I will smack you upside the head with this and I'll send you into a dimension of pain. I know what you want. Get down. All right, everybody, back off. Is this how you ask for it? You want a match with Momoa Curry. I know that everybody wants a match with Momoa Curry for the title. And this is how you ask for it. You come out here and you assault my boy, Oh, look at what you've done to my boy, Ball. All right. You want a match with Momoa Curry? You want to face him for the title? You got it. Wait, what the... Ladies and gentlemen, this is some shocking, shocking words from Captain Tibbs just giving away a title shot to his sworn enemy. I mean, Felix Ball certainly looks pleased by this in the ring, but I got no idea what's going through Tibbs' mind. Hey, in fact, uh, I, I, I think, yeah, I, I think this is what this match needed all along. It, it needed you to come out and viciously assault someone that I care about more than my own life, my blood, my son. It needed you to come out here and hurt somebody. It needed a punching bag like you, a dense, dense punching bag. You know something, Ball? You just gave me the best damn idea I've had all year. <laughs> yeah, you want a shot at the title? I got you. I got you. You got it. That's it. I said it. But not only are you going to be staring across the ring from Momoa Curry, no, you're going to be staring at the Dylan in this ring, right here in this corner. And right across from you, standing right next to you, and I hope... The first person to clock you a good one and send you good night back to Canada is my son, Chuck Tams. So I could just check the math for a moment. Ah, let's see. Next pay-per-view, you got a 25% chance walking out with a JWF championship, but I've got a 100% chance of getting you getting your ass kicked six ways to Sunday on Sunday because of the excessive par- force pay-per-view. The JWF Championship is going to be defended in a fatal four-way match. And since this is excessive force, uh, and since, of course, uh, Tibbs is going to be competing, I think that it should be considered under nautical rules. Oh my god, Tibbs, what? 
and Tibbs, he's announced an amazing match for excessive force. Looks like we've got us a full match card. We're going to see Guy Fieri take on Scott Moore. We're going to see the Hammerman versus Honeypot. And then we're going to see this, a fatal four-way nautical rules match as the Dylan takes on the, uh, takes on Chuck Tibbs, takes on Felix Ball, takes on Momoa Curry. And Tibbs, this is going to be astounding. You did. <laughs> All right, right, it is. There you go. <clears throat> Drink up some water, Tibbs. It's perfectly fine. You're okay. I got mad. You need to stop running uh, out to the apron to do the promo. You can just do it from the. No, you can do so it. So, did you see? I grabbed a chair. Yeah. All right. Tim. I had to protect my boy. Did you see what they did to my boy? Yeah. Look I, at how they massacred my boy. I saw it, Tibbs, but... And now I've got my boys going to massacre them. But in order to see what happens next with your boy, what happens next with all the members of this fatal four-way match? What happens next between Scott Moore and Guy Fieri? What happens next with the Dynasty? You're going to have to tune in next time to JWF Monday Night Wolf. So, Blakey T, it's been an episode, my boy. What did you learn this week? You know, Scotty, I learned that there is no amount of apology that will get the Young Bucks to unblock Jim Cornette. And I learned that when it's just me and you, it's really a flip of the coin. It's either a bunch of BS for an hour, or it's apparently just some emotionally charged conversation for a few Real, actual discussion about wrestling in my stupid podcast? How dare you. How dare you. Uh, so Dylan can be found on Twitter at Dick and Stormy. Blake, where could they find you? You can find me at Blake A. Tanner on the Twitter. You can find me on the re- YouTube at Dark Room Vid- That is D-A-R-K-R-O-O-M-V-I-D-Y-A. Ooh, that was a Vidya struggle. Vidya for the Vidya Games is oh. what we play. That was a struggle there, buddy, wasn't it? Uh-huh, it's almost like my voice is gone now for some reason. Yeah, mine too, man. I don't know what that's about. And you can find me on Twitter at Scotty Mo, S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O. Buy all my books on Amazon, the Quiesel Corp Trilogy, BS versus the Gods. They're all available for there, there for you to check out. So make sure to check that out and check out all the other shows online at a load of purebs.com, ladies and gentlemen. There's a load of BS, the show where me and Blake just talk real BS for an hour. Or there's fun fiction if you like fan fiction. Or, of course, opposite attractions if you're into theme parks. So check all of that out. Remember to support the show, whether that be on Patreon, by picking up some merch at merch.aloadofpurebs.com, or of course, just leave us a review on iTunes. Every single little bit helps. Talk to us on Twitter about whatever you want. Oh, uh, Salty Frank says that he learned that Guy Fieri sees wrestling the same way he does food. It's not personal. It's diners, drive-ins, and dives. That's good. Oh, that's great. And as always, you can find us at aloadofpurebs.com. Step up to the merch table at merch.aloadofpurebs.com. Find us on Facebook, donate to the Patreon, subscribe on YouTube, and remember to follow us on Twitter at Fight Boy Show Darby Allen, because when you're a fight boy, you're a fight boy for life! <laughs>